it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Recovering Gleek, a podcast for all of your complicated feelings about the TV show Glee. Hey friends, it's Ian from TV's The Recovering Gleek colon Ugly Podcast. When Lena and I first decided to make this podcast, we quickly realized we had literally zero idea of how to make that happen. Thankfully, a friend of ours recommended the podcasting platform Anchor. Anchor is free. It has all of the tools you need to record and edit your podcast from your phone or computer. You can even add songs from Spotify into it. And the absolute most amazing thing about Anchor is that they will distribute your podcast for you. So anywhere that you listen to Recovering Gleek, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever weird third-party app you're using, it is there because Anchor put it there. And the icing on the cake is that you can make money from your podcast through Anchor with no minimum listenership. All you have to do is record an ad, which is why I am recording an ad right now, because I want money very badly. It is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everyone. Many greetings. Uh, I'm Ian Allred. I'm a Gleek. I'm Lena Knatzer, and I'm in, I am a mini Gleek as well. <laughs> Heck yeah. Welcome to our mini-sode where we listen to your feedback about the most recent episode of Glee. Uh, before we start, though, we do have two exciting announcements. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first announcement is I am guesting on this week's episode of the Mistletoe Secret Podcast hosted by Trey Pletnicki and Daniel Kunkel. It is a podcast where they watch Hallmark Christmas movies and comment on them and then try and figure out how they all take place in the same cinematic universe, the Hallmark Cinematic Universe, or HCU, if you will. I love that so much. I cannot wait to listen to it. (laughs) That sounds so So fun! If you love, uh, you know, commenting on subpar media and also insane conspiracy theories, check it out. Uh, we're talking about the 2011 movie Annie Claus is Coming to Town. It actually uploaded today. Um, oh. So it's on Spotify, Apple Podcast, the Mistletoe Secret Podcast. Our second announcement. <laughs> So, as you probably know, because we talk about it all the time, Mm -hmm. Lena and I are actors. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then the pandemic came around and it said, no, you're not actors anymore. But then an event happened recently that said, just kidding, you are actors again. So, Lena and I are participating in a fundraiser for a theater called Catalyst Think Tank. It is a theater based out of California that specializes in new works. We are going to be putting on a streaming performance of the musical Daddy Long Legs, not a new work, but it's a fundraiser for them, mm-hmm. which will be taking place on April 9th and 10th. Now, here's the deal. Uh, we do need to make sure that we can actually like afford to pay the rights for the show and then actually raise funds. So we have set up a GoFundMe and 
if you donate $5 or more to the GoFundMe, we will send you a link to the performance so that you can like essentially donating will be your ticket. So make a donation to the GoFundMe. And then this is the important part. Screenshot your confirmation email that says that you made a donation and then email that to us, recoveringgleek at gmail.com. That's how we know how to get in contact with you. And then when it gets closer to April 9th and 10th, we will send you the link so that you can watch the performance. Here's the kicker. As I mentioned, we want to make sure that we can afford the rights to the show. So we have a goal, uh, like a goal uh, amount of funds that we're trying to raise on that GoFundMe. We're trying to raise those funds by March 10th, which is a little over a week from now, so that we can know that we are not going to lose money by doing this. So if you would be interested in purchasing a ticket by donating to the GoFundMe, please do it sooner rather than later so that we don't have to cancel it and reimburse everyone. It would mm. be lovely. Um, also, as an extra incentive, the first 100 people who donate are going to get personalized thank you videos from us. Wow, 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 wow. wow. So you can find that GoFundMe to donate on our link tree, which is in the bio of our Instagram, at RecoveringGleek underscore podcast. We also tweeted it out. Our Twitter is at RecoveringGleek. It's also, I think our link tree is in the bio of our Twitter as it well. Is. You can also, like, just DM us and we will send it to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Doing Daddy Longlegs, April 9th and 10th. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for, like, specific times. We're going to try and make sure that we have... We're going to do two shows, and we're going to try and make sure that there's a time that works well for West Hemisphere and one that works well for East Hemisphere so that people aren't, like, staying up until, you know, the crack of dawn trying to watch this thing. Yeah. We would appreciate it so much. We love you guys. Totally. Let's get into the mini-sode. <laughs> All right. Um, kicking us off, we have Emily. We have a voicemail from Emily. Hi, Ian and Lena. It's Emily. I use she, her pronouns, and I live in England. International listener! So I was listening to your episode on the Rocky Horror Glee show, and I um, really like the part where you were slagging off Ryan Murphy, because I think I have a lot of problems with um, spectacle and how he often seems to be the person that likes to just throw random rubbish kind of at the wall and see, and see what sticks. Um, and... It got me thinking. I think I think of all the of all the Glee writers, Brad Falchuk tends to get like the like least kind of said about him in general. And I kind of just wanted to maybe bring attention and see if you had any opinions on sort of Brad Falchuk's episodes. Um, I mean, he's done a lot of the the competition episodes and like episodes like Preggers, Grudge Cheeses. I mean, next week's episode, Never Been Kissed. Um, um, I think Ballad. Um, and a lot of those episodes, I think, have a lot of heart. And I just wanted to see if you had any opinions on kind of Brad as a writer thank you bye love you emily hear me out i feel like my two favorite episodes from season one are probably laryngitis and journey personally and he wrote and directed journey and i totally see where you're coming from i like just looking at the list of the the episodes he's directed like they're all like like really big heart episodes and I feel like he does a lot of the best Britanna episodes as well. So, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Like, nobody talks about Brad Falchuk. I also think I looked at photos of him. He's pretty handsome. <laughs> He's He uh, is married to Gwyneth Paltrow. They met when she Shut guest on Glee mouth. and then <gasps> got married. Yeah. No way. I had no idea. Are you kidding yeah. me? <gasps> no. What the hell? No way. So there's a sense. quote. 
There's a quote, I think it's from Ryan Murphy, it's from someone, but there's a quote where they're talking about the three writers, which is Ryan Murphy, Ian Brennan, Brad Falchuk, and they do say that Ian Brennan is the funny bone of Glee, and Brad Falchuk is the heart of Glee. Yeah. I don't know what that makes Ryan Murphy. Um, He foots the bill of Glee, I guess. The pancreas of Glee. But I do agree, he wrote, like, Preggers, which is such a nice episode, he wrote Sectionals, he wrote Journey... Ian Brennan is still my personal favorite because I think I think Glee is at its best when it is just being funny. Yeah. But Brad Falchuk of the three writers does the best sincere episodes. Totally. Like whenever an Ian Brennan, I mean not whenever, but most of the time when an Ian Brennan or Ryan Murphy episode tries to have some heart, it Mm -hmm. always feels really forced. Totally. Whereas the Brad Falchuk episodes do it more naturally. I agree. So I would say, honestly, I'd say my my ranking of the Glee writers are Ian Brennan is in first place. Brad Falchuk is in second place, but it's kind of close. And then like... In the basement is Ryan Murphy. <laughs> he just, just because there's no other picks, he has to come in third, but totally. he is for sure last. Totally. All right. Well, thank you, Emily, for your message. Up next, we have um, a voicemail from Leah Michelle? Question mark? Just kidding. It is actually, it is Leah Michelle. Oh, okay. Got it. Perfect. Hi, Lena and Ian. This is Leah. Sadly, not Leah Michelle. If um, I answer, oh, never mind. Never mind. Um, I was calling because I was just listening to the Rocky Horror episode, and you guys were talking a lot about how it was really um, annoying that they cast all the teachers and stuff as the people in the show. And um, that reminded me of the time I was in a theater company and it was like all kids, like high schoolers and middle schoolers, and we were doing a production of Mamma Mia, and they decided to bring in guest artists to play the six adults um and so that left us only being able to audition for sophie sky and then sophie's two friends or ensemble and um we were all really upset and it was kind of the same thing where like you need to think about who you have to cast (laughs) and i remember like the seniors were really upset oh my god i'm running out of time the seniors were upset because it was their last show and they weren't even able to audition for anything so yep okay i love the podcast bye Leah Michelle, let me tell you, I hate that crap. Literally. I mean, I already am kind of iffy on, like, having one role go to an adult. Like, when I was in Greece my freshman year of high school, it was my first musical in high school, we did Greece, And we had Miss Lynch, who was the principal of Rydell High, like, in the show. Our actual principal played her. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was fine, and it was kind of fun. And Miss Lynch is, like barely a character she has like 10 lines the whole show and like what high schooler is like i really hope i get cast as miss lynch yeah so that one was like fun and it was cool to like be in a show with the principal and it was fun to like essentially like bad mouth your principal because in the script they always make fun of her but to take a show where truly the six, six of the seven biggest characters mm-hmm. are adults because Sky and Sophie's friends are secondary characters at best. Totally. Six of the seven main characters are adults and give them all to adults is so awful that and is so ridiculous. Bullshit. <laughs> I swear, you know, and I think there is definitely a time when it is beneficial for young people to be in a show with like professional actors. But if this is a high Mm -hmm. school, I assume that they're not like professional because, you know, 
you they're probably not paying them but this is such bullshit Oi. if i was one of the seniors i would leave school i would be furious <laughs> i would drop out oh that is so rude i literally hate that for you leah oh, well thank you for sharing that with us I'm glad we could commiserate with you for a second. Um, <laughs> I love okay. that word choice. Thank you. I'm the smart one and the pretty one, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, up next, we have an email from Connor. Hey, guys. Connor here. I know I've said this before, but I am obsessed with you both, and I can't get enough of the podcast. Thank you, Connor. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I've been having a really rough time lately, and I can't express how grateful I am to have this podcast to look forward to every week. I've been rewatching Glee alongside you guys, and I just watched the Rocky Horror Glee show in preparation for the podcast tomorrow, and I have and I have so much hate in my heart because of it. <laughs> Honestly, the only reasonable reaction to watching that episode. <laughs> I, I know every <laughs> I know everyone hates Will, but I can't describe how viscerally angry he makes me, and I want to punch a baby in the face. <laughs> I swear I've read this email before. I don't know why it's so funny to me. That's what this man has done to me, and this episode has to be his worst in the series, next to him twerking against the students. First off, the scene where he realizes Carl is making Emma better and then can only associate that with Carl winning. I mean, this is a real woman with a genuine disorder she's struggling with and all you care about is screwing her before John Stamos can. How awesome is Stamos, though? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started on putting on this entire show to impress her and then deciding that he wanted to play Rocky? Does he not understand why it isn't okay to let Rachel undress him for a musical number or for any reason, obviously? Does he not understand why that's not okay? I'm so angry. <laughs> and the entire touch it, touch it, touch me scene makes me want to vomit. Emma, get away from that man. He's a serial killer, probably. Anyways, I have more thoughts, but I'm rambling, so I'm sorry, but I hope you both are having a wonderful week and I can't wait to hear the new episode, Connor. Connor. <laughs> Thank you for that email. You're so right. Thank you, Connor. You know, I think what we have to kind of recognize about that episode in general, too, and we don't see this. Like, what goes on behind the scenes? They literally got to opening night. They got to just before opening night. That means that Will had to have rehearsed Touch a Touch a Touch Me with Rachel. And not to mention all, like, the sex scenes. <sighs> Will, oh my gosh. Ridiculous. But yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. That email filled my heart with love. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Connor. Um, up next, we have an email from Alexa. Hey, besties. It's Alexa. She, her. Before I start on my thoughts, quick question. Does Hey Besties make you guys uncomfortable? I've heard creators talk about parasocial relationships before, and while I love your podcast and feel like we totally could be friends, I never want to make you guys uncomfortable by being more friendly than the situation calls for. Haha. <laughs> anyway, on to Glee. 
Um, me personally, I don't, hey, besties doesn't bother me. Not me neither. <laughs> if you like showed up at my dad's funeral, th- then I'd be like, this isn't the kind of relationship we have. Yeah, um, totally. But you can address emails to me as, hey, besties, it doesn't bother me. Absolutely. All right. Back to Alexa. Also, my dad is in very good health. Everyone, I know. Don't worry. I was going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, He's I doing feel very like well. We're not that famous you know what i mean by which you mean we're not famous at all at all all my (laughs) friends in real life are like well you're kind of like famous right and i'm like not even a little bit you guys (laughs) (laughs) so yes we're uh we're podcast besties so that's fine with me but thank you for asking all right here's lexa again I've got thoughts on the Rocky Horror of it all, but for the sake of keeping this from turning into an essay, I'm going to talk about, I'm just going to talk about my thoughts on Emma. I'm currently at the point in your podcast where Lena has shared her first thoughts about the betrayal of Emma's OCD. For the record, I 100% agree with Lena. Warning, this is kind of long. First and foremost, I am an Emma supporter and believe she deserves love and good things and anyone but Mr. Shu. Carl was so much better for Emma than Will ever was or would be, which is honestly disappointing considering how little Will develops. Will sees her OCD as an obstacle in the way of him getting what he wants. He also sees Carl this way. He sees Emma as an object of his affection and doesn't seem to process that she's a complex person who has her own life that doesn't revolve around him. Specifically with her OCD, he sees it as separate from her, something in his way, not something that's a part of her. Mm -hmm. He sees her only through the lens of what he wants, so he never considers how she wants to deal with her OCD. Carl, heart emoji, however, allows Emma her own autonomy in her with her mental health. She wants to work on confronting her obsessions, so he supports her as she does it. They do something fun together, and he supports her through whatever anxieties she may have with it. As we've seen before, Will forces Emma to confront her anxiety when she's not ready, like the chalk and other stuff. Exposure therapy can be super beneficial for people with OCD. What doesn't work, however, is being forced by someone else to confront the cycle of OCD when you aren't expecting it or when you aren't yet equipped with the proper tools or understanding to process it. Mm -hmm. Plus, when he puts her in that situation, she's forced to respond in a way that makes him comfortable, not in a way that allows her to improve. This is only exacerbated by how selfish he is and by how much he treats her mental illness like a personal attack. This next paragraph, everyone, this is Ian, is like kind of a spoiler. So if you really care, skip ahead 30 seconds. But I also feel like you can see it coming from a thousand miles away. Absolutely. One of the worst parts of all of this is that in the end, Will wins. After Carl is respectful and understanding of Will's jealousy, even though he has every right not to be, after Emma's life is greatly improved by her relationship with Carl, which Will sabotages, Will wins, and Emma is the prize. The writers seem to see her as more of a plot point than a person. Do I think Emma and Carl should have gotten married? Who knows? But I think the writer should have allowed her to stay in that relationship, to grow and develop, and yes, to eventually end the relationship if the two of them chose to. One more thing and I'll get off my soapbox. About Emma's OCD. Yes, it's stereotypical, but that version of it really does exist. Plenty of people have obsessions and compulsions regarding cleanliness and disease. So, weirdly enough, I think the writers did an okay job with it. I could be forgetting something, but if I recall correctly, her OCD was treated as a serious issue. I think issues with her portrayal had more to do with Will as a character and with her settling into the role of Will's motivation or whatever plot device was needed for the episode. 
So while she may have had the most stereotypical symptoms of OCD, for once I think the Glee writers did an okay job. It seems like they shifted from what was intended to be a made fun of quirk to a portrayal of a serious issue, and somehow they managed to only mess it up a little bit. If you got through all this, thank you for listening to my rant. Sorry it got so long. I love the podcast and can't wait to hear more. Forehead kisses for you both, Alexa. <gasps> thank you, Alexa. I love this message. Um, I completely agree with it. Like, Carl is made out to be the antagonist when in all actuality he sees Emma as a whole person. Um, and Will and the show in general treat uh, Emma's OCD like it's uh, Will's plot point. And that really that really sucks because people live with OCD every day, you know. And uh, it's not somebody else's plot point. It's just who the, who, it's just who you are, you know. So mm -hmm. thank you, Alexa, for that message. Up next, we have an email from Alex. All right. Alex says, today I'm going to talk about the will of it all. One of my biggest irks with Will is the way he treats Emma's mental illness. It seems like he sees it as something that needs to be fixed or that her worth somehow relies on how she is coping with it. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, she is mentally ill and it significantly affects her life. However, having a mental illness does not, and I repeat, does not alter your worth as a human being or as someone deserving of love. Not only does Will see Carl helping Emma cope as winning, he says he's making her better. It's possible that the writers meant this as Carl is making her coping strategies better or helping her treat her OCD in a holistic, in a holistic non-pharmaceutical ways, but let's be real, they did not have this intention. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Will, and therefore the writers, cough, cough, Ryan Murphy, cough, cough, see Emma as something that needs to be fixed, not someone who needs treatment. She is absolutely worthy of love, ew, even wills, when she is at her lowest of lows and at her highest of highs. Helping her cope is not fixing her, and Carl is not winning by helping someone he loves get treatment for an illness. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk, Alex from Indiana. Thank you, Alex from Indiana. I like that one too. Yeah, a big a big theme in today's minisode is uh, just how much Will sucks mm -hmm. and how much these writers just treat uh, Emma's mental illness as a pawn in their relationship. Totally. Another another common theme in today's minisode um, is Santana hot takes. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, we got a voicemail from Alma. Hi, y'all. My name is Alma. I use they, them pronouns. And I just finished the, this episode of the podcast. And one thing that really, really stuck out to me was you guys' criticism of Santana as a character. Because I feel like in the Glee fandom, it's taboo almost to talk poorly of Santana. But in reality, she is like basically an antagonist for a good portion of the show. Like she has a couple of really, really good like part of the team episodes, but ultimately like she is very, very cruel to those around her. And she's kind of part of this timeline, I guess, where um, being a mean girl is seen as cool and fun and everyone should be a mean girl like Santana or Regina George. And it just really sucks because like you shouldn't treat people the way that she treats people. Like especially later on in season two and then especially in like season four and five, spoiler alert. And it's just, Ugh, I, I have so many thoughts about Santana, um, and I just appreciate uh, it. It cuts off there. <laughs> a lot of people have chimed in to voice their thoughts on Santana and how, like, she is a very important character for them, and, like, 
for representation as a whole, but then also, you know, acknowledging that she, you can be a very important character and still not be a great role model. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we just picked, we picked a few yeah. to, uh, to feature in this podcast. Totally. So up next, we got an email from Janine who says, My favorite character is Santana. I absolutely love her, find her hilarious, and she was a character that was so important to me who I could deeply relate to as a queer girl growing up and figuring out her sexuality whilst watching Glee. Like, legitimately, her storyline is what made me realize I was queer, and it is no over-exaggeration to say her character changed my life. With all that said, I think what you said in the Rocky Horror episode about her character and her meanness is 100% correct, and I have a lot of thoughts about this topic that I'll attempt to explain. Watching Glee as a satire comedy, I enjoy most of Santana's, quote, keeping it real lines, because they are funny. It's clear that the show is playing on the bitchy mean girl trope, and that we should take her lines as comedy as opposed to being serious, Mm -hmm. and it's funny to watch her call Rachel out when she's being annoying because, again, it is a comedy. Obviously, if this was real life, her comments would be extremely mean and hurtful. So I definitely agree with your point that people shouldn't want to be like Santana for keeping it real, when in reality, that's just called being a bully. For me, there's also a difference in Santana's keeping it real lines compared to her outright racist slash body shaming lines. I know all her Mean Girl lines are meant to be comedic, and usually I interpret them that way, but these lines go too far for me to write them off as her general bitchy humor. I also like and agree with what you said about it being a character flaw and that she grows and evolves as the series progresses. However, at the same time, in my head, there is also this kind of dissonance where I hear the writer saying these lines through Mm -hmm. the character as opposed to it actually being Santana. I know that makes no sense. Uh, it does. And the character is meant, (laughs) and the character is meant to have flaws. And I do believe her bitchiness is one of them. But when it comes to her racist slash body shaming lines in particular, it's like I'm taken out of the TV show and can just picture the writers trying to figure out the most offensive, shocking line they can come up with. I also loved and agree with what you said about her motivations, i.e. her struggles with sexuality being explored later in the series, but never being used as an excuse for her behavior. I also think that maybe because of my love for Santana, just thinking about her character a lot and maybe my own personal projections, also the excessive fanfic and fan discussions I've read, (laughs) I've interpreted further motivations behind her body shaming lines as the character herself having her own struggles with food slash body image. Obviously, none of this means that any of the body shaming she does to Finn slash others is okay or excused in any right. I just think there's a further complexity behind it. I obviously also understand that everyone may not agree with this take, especially since none of this was actually explicitly stated or explored in the series, probably for good reason, as I never want this kind of sensitive topic to be handled by Ryan Murphy. It's just my own personal thoughts and insights to the character that I wanted to share. I know this is a ridiculously long email, and it might surprise you that it this isn't all I have to say about this topic alone. I honestly could write several dissertation-length essays analyzing the character of Santana Lopez. I literally just wanted to type out a bunch of my thoughts to help me make sense of them in my own head, and it's nice that I can actually send them to someone for once. I love you guys. Thanks for reading all my rambling thoughts. Janine, she, her, from the UK. International listeners! Janine, I completely agree. Um, I mentioned this on the on the Rocky Horror episode. Uh, you know, it is a satire, and she is supposed to be an exaggeration of the mean girl trope. And so, like, the show is pretty explicit that we're that like her being so mean isn't like a plus to her character. Yeah. But like you said, 
When she says racist or body shaming things to other characters, she is not talking about those characters. She's talking about those actors. Actors, yeah. Like, uh, Amber Riley is black. Anytime she says something racist against Mercedes, she's saying it against Amber Riley. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's Cory Monteith's actual body. So anytime she calls him fat, she is calling Cory Monteith fat. That's an issue I have with these writers is they, like can write such funny takedowns of the characters, but then they never understand where the line is between the character and the actor. Like, insult the character's personality because that's the character. But once you get to... And you can, like, insult the way the character dresses because that's the character. But once you get to, like, their physical appearance, like, that's the actor. And whether you intend it or not, the actor is going to kind of interpret it at that. If Mm -hmm. I was working on a TV show and they got a script that was all about how my character was fat, I would for sure be like, oh, so these writers think I'm fat. Yeah, exactly. (sighs) And especially with how young these actors were. Just I know. I know. And also, like... (sighs) I just think that kind of stuff is just cheap. It's not fun. It's like mm-hmm. not funny to me. Like I love a Santana takedown. Like, are you kidding me? Like I spend like a lot of my time, like watching YouTube videos of like, you know, hour long Santana takedown, uh, like compilations. Like I love them, but so often they are not about, you know, Rachel being annoying. They're about Rachel being short about like or you yeah know, like about leah michelle yes, looking a certain way exactly yeah. and that's and that's really messed up and like that goes beyond santana as a character that's these writers using these uh real actors real insecurities against them and that really sucks and uh, you know and they even do that to santana like they have lines about that uh, like for santana and it's so messed up and i don't like it Thank you, Janine, for pointing that out. Up next, we have a voicemail from Jackie. Hi, Lena. Hi, Ian. My name's Jackie. Um, I just wanted to start off by saying that I absolutely adore you guys. I'm obsessed with the podcast and with the two of you. Um, Now that I got that out of the way, I just need to say that it is an absolute hate crime that you two barely touched on Santana and Brittany in Touch a Touch a Touch Me. Oh, my God. Their performance was chef's kiss amazing. They were the only thing that made that performance worth even showing in the first place. They were hilarious, amazing. Both their voices sounded amazing. But also, like, they were so funny peeking in in the window, like, making fun of Mr. Shoe and Miss Pillsbury. Like, hilarious. And I can't believe you guys did not talk about it. I just want justice for them because that is one of the best parts of the episode is those two. Hear me out, Jackie. (laughs) I agree that Naya Rivera and Heather Morris did an incredible job. I simply cannot get past the fact that they are watching two of their teachers like get hot and heavy with each other. (laughs) I like, I can't separate the two in my mind. Yeah. Anytime, like any positive thing about their performance i'm like but man they're watching their guidance counselor grind up on their shirtless music teacher yeah i really i i love that bit with them like running down the hallway and they're like holding Mm -hmm. hands and being cute and dancing i love that bit for sure but like that whole number like 
is so much to even handle. I'm sorry we didn't touch on it. It's just a very overwhelming number. I'm sorry we didn't touch it, touch it, touch it, touch on it. Oh, you got jokes. Oh. You got jokes Thank all you. red. You're welcome. Well, Jackie, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you had to demand justice from us, but I'm glad that you brought it up and I'm glad that you said it. So thank you. <laughs> um, up next, we have um, an email from Anessa. My name is Anessa. I use she, her pronouns. I'm from Alaska, and I have some thoughts about the latest podcast episode on the Rocky Horror Glee episode. I've never seen Rocky Horror, so this was my first and only exposure to the property. A big reason I wasn't interested in looking into the actual material after watching the show is because Glee assumes that its audience is familiar with the show and makes no effort to try and explain what's happening. Based only on this episode, this is what I assume happens in the musical, using the names of the Glee characters because I don't know the actual musical characters. <laughs> Rachel's engaged to Finn at the beginning of the musical. They go walking through a strange place with mysterious low-energy side characters watching them. <laughs> Kurt, Tina, Santana, and Quinn, question mark? <laughs> until, until they meet up with the scientists responsible for getting them together. The scientist doesn't like their relationship anymore because they can see through space and time and causes mayhem to try and break them up, hiring a trans woman, Mercedes, to accomplish this mission. Mercedes uses the creature, he who must not be named Grinch edition, to try and seduce Rachel while trying to seduce Finn herself. The time warp is like a closing number from the show that has no plot relevance. Okay, Anessa, hear me out. That is not even close to how weird the actual plot yeah. is. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure you writing that, you were like, this is what I think is going on, but it's too weird. It can't actually be what's going on. The actual plot is 10,000 times more bizarre than what you wrote in that paragraph. Every time I watch it, I feel like I'm on drugs. I'm like, what? What's going on? <laughs> it, It's a trip and a half. All yeah, right. Totally. On to the rest of Vanessa's email. Also, I have some thoughts about Santana Lopez as a character. I recently watched this long-form YouTube video about the Glee Project. The video producer mentions at length the way Ryan Murphy leans on stereotypes to try and achieve diverse, representative characters. Santana being a mean cheerleader character who constantly bullies Finn isn't a bad character choice. However, I have a problem with them representing the only Latina character on the show as a mean Spitfire girl from Lima Heights adjacent who, quote, keeps it real at the cost of other people's feelings. Whenever Santana does get some character growth, they still never move away from the stereotype while simultaneously not representing anything culturally relevant to her being a Latina character attending a primarily white institution. If Naya Rivera wasn't Latina, then you wouldn't know that Santana is a Latina character outside of the Ricky Martin episode and a few throwaway jokes. He essentially only represents them as their stereotypes. At least Santana got developed into the strong lesbian character we know and love in spite of her mess. Jacob Ben Israel is just as bad of a gross stereotype of Jewish teenage boys. Whenever Murphy leans back into representing the stereotype, he ruins all the character growth. Yikes. Small notes. I loved Lena's recap song. I still love listening to you sing, and I think you deserve to hear more compliments for your voice. I also love Taylor Swift, so I think you have good taste. Anyway, <laughs> I appreciate this podcast so much. I don't think I can properly explain how much this means to me. Much love, Anessa. Um, Anessa, I do agree. I, uh, you know, Glee is a satire. This is a hill I will die on. I 
have very complicated feelings uh, with Glee, and I think most of it is bad. But mm-hmm. I will forever defend people that Glee was in, supposed to be a satire, and the fact that the characters are obvious archetypes is on purpose. But I agree that there's a difference between having like the characters be archetypes, mm-hmm. like this is the big dumb jock, and like this is the shy girl, and like this is the mean cheerleader, and having them be stereotypes of ethnicities and races. Absolutely. That's when it becomes a problem. Because archetypes is just an archetype. But once you're like, we're going to make this character who's black be a stereotype of black people uh, then it no longer is a fun satire. Now we got totally. a lot to unpack. I completely agree. Great thoughts. Thank you, Anessa. Um, up next, we have an email from Sienna. All right. <clears throat> Sienna says, I have a lot of thoughts on one Rocky Horror Glee show. My name is Sienna. I'm a theater kid, and I'm from Australia. International listeners! You guys are my saving grace since I take the bus every day from my school, which is 30 minutes away, so I have to stand a lot. Every time you guys sing International Listener, I get self-conscious because I think people can hear me since it's so loud. (laughs) Well, Sienna, here's a special encore just for you and everyone around you on the bus. International Listener! Now, here are my mostly unwanted thoughts. First off, Mr. Shitster. This man this man was going to do exactly what he did with Emma, but with a student? I'm sorry? We been knew that Mr. Shut the Fuck Up William was totally weird and deaf gives off weird vibes, understatement of the century, but he would have actively been endangering Rachel if he had gone through with it. I love friend of the podcast, Jamie May's voice, but why did they sing that in a classroom? It was extremely unprofessional, and the fact they were dancing to a very sexual song in a school full of minors, like, um, is it after school hours? Could people hear them? If it wasn't after school, wouldn't that class be in use, and wouldn't the halls be busier? And seeing how horny Mr. Shitty Vested Dickwad is doing all of it made me literally gag. And that's on Glee Logic. Why are they performing an incredibly sexual musical at all? Do Into the Woods or something, y'all. On a completely different note, I would sell my soul to listen to you guys cast the Glee Clids in Into the Woods. Thank you. Uh, we will. Let yeah. me just finish the email first. Send us your uh, soul email first. in the email. In the, your next <laughs> Send email. Us, email us again with a screenshot of your confirmation that you have sold us mm-hmm. your soul so that we have verification. Perfect. Also... Him not being happy for Emma about the fact she was getting better and only focusing on the fact he couldn't whip out his zaddy shitster saver com- his zaddy shitster savior complex and help her out instead. He's disgusting. I'm disgusted. Fuck Ryan Murphy. Second, why isn't there an audition process? If I could just say, yeah, I want to be the witch from Into the Woods when we are putting on our musicals, I would be a very happy person. But why don't they do it? Not necessarily groundbreaking, but really weird in my eyes. Third, as someone who's had body dysmorphia for most of my teenage years, the disregard of Finn's body image issues really angers me. His comfort needs to be prioritized over anything in these scenes. Fourth, they shouldn't perform Rocky Horror because it's very sexual. Not because there's transgender representation. Could we not twist it, please? Thank you. Fifth, I love Tina so much. She does great, even if she doesn't have much material to work with. And the little pretend... I can't read today. 
And the little Britannia... I can't read again. <laughs> Third time's the charm. And the little Britannia hints throughout it. Anyways, I love you guys. And if I hear this while I'm on the bus, I will scream and be thrown off. Let's oh, hear that no. scream, Sienna. <laughs> Don't Here's another round just for you. International Love you too. You guys sometimes feel like my only friends. Oh. Sienna. Oh, Sienna. thank you, Sienna. All right. We got, uh, you know, we got, we're going to try and bust this Into the Woods cast list out real quick. Okay. I got a list in front of me. Do you got a list in front of you? I got a you? list in front of me. Ready? All right. Who's going first? Obviously the witch. Let's cast the witch first. Who did Great. you cast as the witch? I put Mercedes Jones. I put Santana Lopez. Okay, mm-hmm. strong choices. Up next, I have the baker. Who did you have the, ba- of the ba- as the baker? So I put baker, baker's wife combo. I put Finchel. I put Finn and Mercedes. Oh, that's very fun. Right? I like that casting. Uh-huh. I think I just chose Finchel because I think their real life dynamic mm-hmm. is very true to the baker. Totally, totally. Dynamic. I think they would be sweet at that for sure. Um, up next, I have Cinderella. Who do you have as Cinderella? Mm- Cinderella was the hardest one for me to cast in the entire show. Yeah, who'd you put? Because Cinderella needs to have a lyrical voice that takes a lot of training. So, I personally think that Tina would make the best Cinderella vocally, but I have Tina in another role that I'm more excited about. Okay. And so I gave it to Quinn. And this is no hate to Diana Agron, uh, because I think she has an absolutely spectacular voice. It's just Mm -hmm. Cinderella is like so operatic, and I've never heard her sing that way. Right. But I think... Acting wise, she'd be an incredible Cinderella and she very well could sing it. I would just need to hear it. Right. I put Tina. Okay. Awesome. Um, Now I have Little Red. This is the one I was excited about. I put Tina as Little Red. I think she would be phenomenal. I put Rachel as Little Red. I think she would be phenomenal. That's true. That is a very good casting and she is so loud. She is. She'd be be so cute. I love Little Red. Me too. I love that role. I love, hear me out. I think my favorite song right now in Into the Woods and it changes all the time is Little Red Song. Like, like, mm-hmm. isn't it nice to know a lot and a little bit not? God, that like, I saw the face of the universe the day I heard that line. I love, and though scary is exciting, nice is different, is different than, than good. good. That's so true. Like, tattoo that yeah, on my body. Please. I Ugh, love that so line. so good. I love that whole song so I, much. I have mentioned this before. I can and I have speak for two hours about all of the lessons in Into the Woods and how incredible it is as a yeah. show. But that we don't have time You haven't been in Into the Woods, right? No. <sighs> it's the regret of my what life. What a shame. Well, Thankfully, that's a show that like I still have plenty of years oh, to get cast oh, in. Oh, absolutely. Most of my White Whale shows are shows that I'm like borderline aging out yeah, of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Crap. Um, up next, I have Jack. Who do you have as Jack? I put Kurt. I do too. I think you'd be okay, a great, great Jack. Yeah. And especially I thought because Rachel and Kurt being Jack and Little Red, like just like screaming at each other about like, I bet I can do it. Like that'd be oh, so that would cute. Be so good. I love it in the woods. Okay. Next I have uh, the wolf slash the prince. Did you okay. split these roles up? I usually put, I usually put them together personally. I put them together because I think cool. it's, it makes the, uh, the lesson stronger that yeah. the prince is a wolf, a predator. Um, although yeah. they're they're clearly supposed to be two separate characters, but having the same actor like gives that subtext. Mm-hmm. And so, if they are the same, I said Jesse St. James. 
Um, oh, but I said, I because casting this, I realized that Into the Woods is a very female heavy musical, which mm-hmm. is a positive Absolutely. thing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, but there's a lot of guys that I just never casted. So I said, if we have to separate them, the wolf is Mike Chang. Oh, you'd be a great wolf. I love that. I put Sam. <laughs> I put Sam as Rapunzel's prince. Uh, I put Blaine as Rapunzel's prince. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Do you have a narrator? Yes, I do. Who's your narrator? Um, and I'm doing I'm doing narrator and mysterious man, which is the way it's supposed oh, to be yes, done. They're supposed to play both characters, and it's Artie Abrams. I put Artie as well. Yeah, I felt bad because uh, the mysterious man barely sings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh. okay, up next I have the stepsisters. Do you have stepsisters Me too. on your list? Okay, so I have Florinda and Lucinda mm-hmm. are played by Britanna. I love that. <laughs> I have Azimio and Karofsky. <laughs> I love putting them in the musicals. I think that's so funny. Could you imagine? Like, Claude. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be so funny? When running away, know how to get there and, and how, how to, to get, get back. back. And eat, and eat first. first. Like, that would be so funny. Like, never wear mo to a ball. <laughs> or, or pink. pink. Or up on your mouth. I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then I have, I have three roles put into one because usually when I've seen it, like, they put the these roles into one role. I have the giant, the mother, and the grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I have um, Quinn in this role. Okay, so at, we have reached the point where I ran out of women to cast. Oh, and yeah. so uh, I didn't cast anyone. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of my list. Do you have more? Okay, so I cheated. Oh, okay. And I peeled back the curtain and I I introduced some season four characters. Oh, okay. Which is the stepmother. I mean, the stepmother. If Britannia are the stepsisters, the stepmother should be Sue. But I'm against yeah. casting the adult characters in the musicals. So I said mm-hmm. the stepmother is Kitty from season four. Oh, she'd be cute. Yeah. And then I said that Rapunzel is Marley Rose from season four. And there it is. Oh, I totally forgot about Rapunzel. Oops. Marley can have it. Yeah. And then like... The rest that we haven't cast, like Jack's mother is a pretty good character. Oh, for sure. Like she is, she's a very good character, but I just like couldn't think of anyone. Yeah. And then besides her, it's like the steward. Yeah. Um. So that's the end of my list too. <laughs> <laughs> I love Into the Woods so much. It is physically painful. My favorite show of all time. It's the best. Remember when it was on Netflix? Rest in peace, Netflix. That. Well, Netflix, Netflix is still a thing. I don't know why I said it like that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> God, do you remember? I was just thinking about this the other day. Netflix used to be like a thing that you would like write yeah, into. Yeah, that you would and get, you would get DVDs in house. the mail. Oh, that was mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, I used to watch the first time I watched Community it was through Netflix. Really? And they would only send you one DVD at a time. And so you could only watch like five episodes at a time and then you have to send it back and then you have to wait a week to get the next five episodes. And then after I finished season one, I was like, I cannot take this. Yeah, literally. And I went and bought season two on DVD (laughs) so that I could just watch it all in one go. Well, gosh, thank you for that question. Thank you for that message. Very fun time. Um, Up next, our final our final voicemail of the day kicking like sending us off into the day into our monday we're gonna have a great day today we have kate 
Hi, Lena and Ian. My name is Kate. She, her, uh, big fan of the podcast. Uh, as another 20-something rando, I'm obsessed with a lot of the stuff you guys keep going on tangents about. Um, I think it's awesome. Uh, but uh, So you guys keep talking about D&D. I'm also really into D&D. I, Lena talked about Dimension 20. I also am obsessively watching Dimension 20. Uh, Lena, when you get to uh, the Unsleeping City season, if you get to that season, I need to know what your thoughts are because it uh, takes place in modern-day New York and it's got big uh, Broadway influence on it. So please talk about it on the podcast if you watch that season. Uh, anyways, though, my question is about uh, WandaVision because I know you guys are into that too. Um, uh, if they uh, did a episode that was a, a glee style episode what do you think the pop points would be and what songs do you think they would sing i i think wanda would be personally would be mr shoe and then uh vision would be mrs pillsbury but uh and billy and tommy would be teenagers <laughs> um before we get into the wanda vision of it all let me talk about dimension 20 for just a second um i just finished a crown of candy yesterday. I cried the entire time. Um, I have watched the first season of Unsleeping City, and I'm going to start the second season today. I love, I love Dimension 20 so much. It is like the thing keeping me going right now. I watched, I watched a crown of candy and it's like, like 60 hours um, oh my word. in one week. Like I nonstop. I like watch it nonstop nonstop I only stop while I'm in the shower like that's the only time I stop watching Dimension 20 it is the thing keeping me going I love that other people love it too it's the best but now let's talk about WandaVision so we ended up starting um a half hour late today because Ian was so excited about this question that he like couldn't even deal so I like started doing it and then I learned how much thought Ian was putting into it and I immediately bowed out of the competition and I'm gonna let Ian take the reins on this one Ian okay. tell us about your WandaVision uh episode here's the deal everyone I'm gonna be honest if you A, don't care about WandaVision, don't want to hear us talk about it, or B, do not want spoilers for WandaVision because you haven't watched it yet, this is the end of the minisode. Mm-hmm. Uh, go spread you, some glee. Thank you for listening. Kiss on your forehead for you guys leaving. Mwah. Check out uh, <laughs> Mistletoe Secret Podcast. Please donate to our GoFundMe. Buy tickets for Daddy Longlegs. We love you guys. I cannot promise that this will be concise. Honestly, this might turn into a maxi-sode. So, Kate... I know your question was because WandaVision pays homage to like a bunch of different famous shows. And your question uh, was very clearly if they did an episode that was parodying Glee, what would the episode be about? Um, And I started to think about that. And then I accidentally didn't answer your question at all. And instead (laughs) just... Uh, interpreted it as if WandaVision, the entire show, was a jukebox musical, what would it be? (laughs) So I have taken WandaVision as a whole as if it is like a, a, you know, four and a half hour long Broadway show. And I have inserted different songs into different beats to turn it into a jukebox musical and oh i spent God. very long i spent like <laughs> 45 minutes on this okay so we open up we're going episode by episode oh we open up God. we open up in the 1950s in our dick van dyke episode and it starts everything's perfectly perfect and wanda and vision sing 
Stars shining bright Aww, above you. Sweet. Night whispers sing to whisper, I love you. Birds singing in the sycamore tree. Dream a little dream <gasps> of me. Very good, very right? good, very good. <gasps> and then Chills. the end of the episode, Wanda sings, Oh, they can't take that away from me. No yakety yak? I mean, obviously yakety yak is in there, but it's it that song's like that song is diegetic, you know? Yeah, I'm doing yeah, non-diegetic yeah. songs. Okay. Um, so, then Wanda sings, you can't take that away from me. They're like, the way you wear your hat, the mm. way you sip your tea, Sweet. the memory of all that. <gasps> no, no, they can't take that away from mm. me. Very so good, it's very, very good. Very romantic, but the subtext of like, I am holding on to you and I refuse to let you be taken away. You guys, I am so proud of the thought (laughs) I put into these song choices. I also kept them all era specific to the decade they're living in. So now we're on to the 60s. Wanda and Vision, you know, they're starting their 60s day. They are flirting with each other. They're having a wonderful time while rehearsing for the talent show. And they're singing this magic moment. Oh, sweet. When your arms are into mine will last forever. Because uh, they're, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a magic show. And then Wanda is uh, helping Dottie clean up. This one is lifted straight from the episode. I cannot take credit. Mm -hmm. It's Help Me Rhonda by the Beach Boys, but Mm -hmm. changed to Help Me Wanda. But instead of it playing on the radio, it is Dottie. Yeah. That Dottie breaks and Dottie starts singing, (gasps) Help me Wanda, help, help me Wanda, help me Wanda, help, help me Wanda. So that happens. And then the talent show itself, when they're illusion and glamour on the stage Mm -hmm. doing the talent show, they are singing and the audience is singing, Do you believe in magic in a young girl's heart? So there is our 60s episode. 70s, once again, lifted straight from the show. The 70s opens because the 70s is the episode when things start actually falling apart. Mm -hmm. It starts very perfectly perfect. Vision and Wanda and the citizens of Westview are singing the Monkees classic Daydream Believer. It did come out in the 60s, but it has a much more 70s vibe. Yeah. So like, I could ride on the wing of the bluebird as he sings. 6 a.m. alarm would never ring. That whole deal. Mm-hmm. So that's just like, hooray, uh, life is ideal here in Westview and we have no problems. And then Wanda and Vision, they sing Danny's song, which is the... Even though we ain't got money, mm-hmm. I'm so in love with you, honey. Which is a song specifically about a couple who are having a son mm-hmm. and are like, oh, we're so in love and I'm so Aww. excited that our family is growing. Pitch perfect, I know. Uh, no need to congratulate me, everyone. <laughs> then Vision starts noticing that things are weird. Mm-hmm. He goes outside and Herb cuts through the wall. Um, He starts piecing together like weird stuff that has happened in the past. He like notices that the doctor is acting really weird and he sings superstition. Very superstitious writing on the Uh wall uh as he like starts to be like something isn't right here. Believe in things you don't understand. Superstition either way. So while, while, while he is having that confusion... Uh, Geraldine, a.k.a. Monica Rambo, mm-hmm. is in the house with Ron- Wanda. She's delivering her babies. Yes. All that stuff. 
Wanda has that moment where she's like, oh, where Geraldine is like, oh my gosh, twins. And then Wanda's like, I had a twin. Mm-hmm. His name was Pietro. And it like wakes up Monica's memories and she starts to realize what's going on. And she's like, he was killed by Ultron. And then Wanda kind of confronts her and is like, what, what did you just say? So then we sing, don't bring me down as a duet between Monica and Wanda. <gasps> So Monica singing the, you got me running, going out of my mind. You got me thinking that I'm wasting my time. And then Wanda very threateningly as she's coming towards her singing, don't bring me down. No, 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 no. And it's Wanda's like big supervillain song. And it ends with her throwing, uh, she throws Geraldine through the wall. And then Daydream Believer plays again and everyone's all happy again. Mm -hmm. Now we're into the 80s. I have to warn everyone. I said this to Lena. I forgot that S.W.O.R.D. was in this show. (laughs) I know know that S.W.O.R.D. and like Hayward and Wu and Darcy are huge characters. But I got so excited about the different decades that I have literally no songs for S.W.O.R.D. So fill those in on your own, I guess. So we get into the 80s. Um. The 80s starts out, Wanda now has kids, and Agnes keeps popping over, and they're having their fun, like, family ties life, where, like, Mm -hmm. they're raising the babies, and also, like, a big theme of the beginning of the 80s episode is that Wanda is no longer hiding her powers. Like, the kids age up in front of Wanda, she, I mean, in front of Agnes, she, like, full-on just creates the um, dog collar out of thin air, Mm -hmm. she tells Vision, like, I don't want to hide anymore, and so... The Maximovs, as in, like, Billy and Tommy and Agnes, as they're, like, going about their day, are singing, Every little thing she does is magic. (gasps) As she's just, like, doing magic stuff because she doesn't care anymore. Mm -hmm. And so then, Vision's getting really suspicious. He's like, what's the deal? And why aren't you hiding your powers? And he goes to work. Yes. And at work... He gets that email that is like, hey, there's the Maximoff anomaly and blah, blah, blah. And he gets super suspicious and everyone starts laughing. And then he like wakes up Norm and Norm is like, she's in my head. She's in my head. Mm -hmm. So everyone, everyone at the workplace, they all like glitch and they sing every breath you take. Every move Another you make. Another police song. Interesting. I love I, that. Double the police. police. The police aren't the composers I love of this. Sting, man. I get it. <laughs> I'll be watching you. And it's like very threatening and creepy. Okay. Um, And then the fight between Wanda and Vision at the end mm-hmm. is <gasps> nothing's going to stop us now as a duet. Because here's Vision's lyrics. Here's the uh-huh. deal. I don't. There are certain lines in this song that I, like, get funky on what the melody is, so I'm going to listen to it really fast. Okay. You don't want to embarrass yourself. Exactly. In here beside you, want so much to find you this love in my... Okay, so, Vision's verse, and he is singing this, like, his intention behind it is, like, I want to... Because he says to her, Wanda says, like, you're... You don't believe me. And he says, like, I want to, but I would be ignoring all of the evidence. That it's Vision saying, like, I want to believe you and I want to believe that everything's fine, um, but I can't. And so his lyrics are, looking in your eyes, I see a paradise. This world that I found is too good to be true. Mm. Standing here beside you, want so much to give you this love in my heart that I'm feeling for you. 
Um, and then Wanda comes in and she's all doubling down on the whole thing and like, ignore it. It's fine. Everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And so then Wanda comes back with, let him say we're crazy. I don't care about that. Put your hand in my hand, baby. Don't ever look back. I don't know the song very well. <laughs> let the world around us just fall apart. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can make it if we're heart to heart. We can build this dream together. Standing strong forever. Nothing's gonna stop us now. Like Wanda is doubling down on like, we are not. You are not finding out what happened before. You are not going outside of Westview. Like nothing can stop us. This is our life. I am handling it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. And that's their fight. So now we're in the 90s episode. And the 90s episode, it starts, uh, Wanda is out trick-or-treating. And because there's that scene where Herb goes up to her and and she's she's like, where's Vision? And he's like, oh, he's not supposed to work today. Is something wrong? Is there something you want me to change? So she goes out trick-or-treating and all the citizens of Westview are singing, there she goes, Mm. there she goes again. Just like everyone watching Wanda as she passes and they're all frozen. And then as she moves near them, they start moving again and then they freeze again. Um, And then this one's uh, maybe a hot take and maybe it doesn't work because it is very explicitly a song about drug use. Um, But... Billy, Tommy, Quicksilver, and Vision sing Semi-Charmed Life. <gasps> I the, love, um, yes. Because, like, this is the episode where Wanda is starting to become disillusioned and things aren't working out the way she wanted. Yeah. And so it's like, it's like Quicksilver, Tommy, and Billy, like, wreaking havoc on the town. And then also Vision being like, something isn't right. Like, I Wanda, want something else. That's so good. Yeah, I love and that, that. And and it's a semi-charmed life mm-hmm. because it's all like magic and charmed. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Um, And then this one, maybe no, but I have Vision singing, she's so high, oh, high I love that above me. I love that. She's so, so lovely. lovely. Yeah, love that. he... He sings that as he's walking through the town about just like his conflicting feelings with Wanda and how he wants to love her. But like there's clearly so many things going on with her that she won't share with him. And he like feels locked out of the relationship. That is so sweet. And then when Quicksilver is talking to Wanda and he's clearly egging her on and he's trying to be like, she is kind of like having second thoughts about the whole thing. And he's like, Hey, no, like you were ethical about this. Like people stay with their families. They keep their personalities. They get better jobs. Like, frankly, I think you handled it really well. And he's like really trying to get her to tell him how mm-hmm. he did it and open up. He sings to her cause she's all depressed about it. He sings, if it makes you happy, oh, my it God. can't be that bad. This episode rocks. Right? If it makes you happy, <laughs> I love that so much. why the hell are you so sad? I love that. Oh, 90s man. episode? Whoa. That's my favorite episode so far. That's bomb as fuck. I also put this one I might take out because the scene is so, like, unnerving in the episode and I feel like this song would make it comedic okay but when (laughs) when Vision (laughs) is like going outside of Westview and he's like no one's moving he sings how bizarre (laughs) how bizarre (laughs) (laughs) but I might cut that because I think it would undermine the intention of the scene anyways so now we're to Modern Family this is 
this is when it, it, this is when it all starts to fall apart because it was uh, 20 minutes after we were supposed to start recording and I felt bad. And also I realized while doing this that I actually have a really good grip on music pre 2000. Uh, so, you know, music that my parents listened to. And then once it gets to music that like I should have listened to myself, I don't know any of it because I just listen to what people tell me to listen to. So I had a really hard time with 2000s and 2010s. Um, So there's literally only one song. So Lena is welcome to share her thoughts. The one song I do have is also, it came out literally last year. So it's not even the right decade. Sorry. Um, It is a song called Everything is Killing Me by Neon Trees. So this episode is like Wanda is severely depressed. She's getting like really nihilistic and is like life is meaningless and you know, whatever. And she like has stopped caring about anything. So this song, the lyrics are bad vibes. They just won't quit. I know everything is killing me. I just gotta live. I tried, can't handle it. I know everything is killing me. I just gotta live. That it's just Wanda being like, Mm -hmm. I tried, I couldn't handle it. Everything is terrible. Everything is killing me. So you know what? In order to live, I'm just going to sit in my house. I'm not going to take care of my kids. I don't care anymore. That's truly my only song for this episode. Do you have any suggestions? I do. I think that Geraldine should... uh, Not Geraldine. Oh my God. Monica. Sorry. (laughs) I've seen the show, you guys. I think that Monica should sing a song for sure and my immediate i looked through just like the tunes on my uh just like on my laptop and my immediate thought was caught in the middle by paramore and ian doesn't know this song obviously let me look up the lyrics because it came out after 2000 it did it came out in 2017 um but this whole album is kind of about it kind of fits a WandaVision vibe for sure, but it's kind of about like dealing with like mental health and like loss and trauma in like a really like poppy fun way. Like the vibe is really like fun and like covering up your feelings. So like very WandaVision to me, but this song is my favorite from this album. And, uh, it's like, uh, some lyrics that I think would fit the Monica thing is she's like, I am just a little bit caught in the middle. I try to keep going, but it's not that simple. I think I'm a little bit caught in the middle. And then um, there's this whole verse that's like, no, I don't need no help. I can sabotage me by myself. And then she says that over and over. So I think like her, like trying to get into the hex, like, mm-hmm. like she's like caught in the middle between like wanting to help and being like a member of sword. And she's caught in the middle of like, her own feelings and her own feelings of loss and like caught in the middle of the hex and like she doesn't need any help she's not going to use the the big bus anymore she's just walking through she's like i don't need help i can do it you know what i mean that is such a good pick thank you you should listen to the song it's really fun that's such a good pick thank you um and then of course obviously like agatha would sing agatha all along but for the sake of a jukebox musical what agatha sings is must be the season of the witch. Mm. Must be the season of the witch. Which is not a 2000 song, but like at that point, we kind of leave the sitcom, you know, so I don't think it matters. Totally. So that's totally. her big, her big like villain reveal song is she sings Season of the Witch by Donovan, Donovan, excuse me. Um, And then, of course, in our lovely therapy episode, uh, last week's episode, everyone. Wanda sings her theme, you guys. This song is about Wanda. It is Oh No by Marina. As uh, absolutely. It is like, 
It is as Wanda is like seeing her memories in front of her and is like really having to confront what she did and why she did it. And she sings it like, I know exactly what I want and who I want to be. I know exactly why I walk and talk like a machine. I'm now becoming my own self-fulfilled prophecy. Oh, oh oh no, no. oh Oh, no. no. Oh, no. oh. oh, And then, of course, the line that is Wanda. TV taught me how to feel. Now real life has no appeal. It, it has, has no appeal. It has no appeal. It has no appeal. It has no appeal. It has no appeal. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's her, like, really having to confront why she did all this. And Don't then Don't when, when Wanda shows up to the empty lot in Westview with a property oh. deed from Vision, she sings... A short reprise of They oh. Can't Take That Away From oh, Me. So and then creates everything that was taken away from her. Oh. That's the WandaVision musical. Oh, dude, that was good. <laughs> Dang it. You did a great Woo! job. If you, you know, if you have a Darcy and Jimmy song, feel free to tweet it at us. I forgot. Yeah. So there it is. All right. That's our mini sode. Hooray. Well, thank you guys for listening. Oh, it turned um, into a maxi sode, but a Maximov sode. <gasps> it turned into a Maximov sode. <laughs> uh, so check out Mistletoe Secret Podcast, the most recent episode. Annie Claus is coming to town. Mm-hmm. Um, also, be, if, you know... We would love to have you watch us do Daddy Long Legs. Yeah. If you are interested in watching it, consider getting tickets sooner rather than later so that we have enough money to pay for the rights by March to 10th. actually do it, yeah. Yeah, that GoFundMe is on our link tree, which is in the bio of our Instagram and our Twitter. We also tweeted the link somewhere. And please, 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 so important, if you do donate, please screenshot your confirmation email from GoFundMe and email that to us. That's the only way that we know how to contact you, like that we have your email and have proof that you actually donated. And more information will be coming on that as it gets closer, like times and also like the actual link will be coming, will be emailed to you closer to the performance date. Yeah, totally. Thank you right, for listening. Spread. Wait, while we're uh, while we're sending you off, should we play that little uh, <gasps> yes, guess yes. the song game? Guess the just, song game. Just while I you, mean, just while you, you mean guys re- are leaving. The relative pitch game. Relative pitch game. Okay. okay. Ian, what song should you sing? I think you should sing. I for anyone should... who didn't listen to our last minisode, <laughs> we're doing songs from the last episode of Glee, and we're seeing if we have relative pitch. Um, here's the deal. I don't, and we know I don't, yeah. but Lena might. might. I just participate for fun. Yes. <laughs> I participate to win. <laughs> uh, Ian, I think you should sing Whatever Happened to a Saturday Night. I almost sang it for you, and I'm okay. pretty sure I know how it starts. I don't know how it starts, so I'm just going to sing the chorus and find the note. Okay. So, it starts with Whatever Happened to a Saturday Night, a dress yeah, sharp, and but, it felt all right. But I but I know the chorus a lot oh, better. Oh, sure. Do you want me to pick okay. a different one? Okay. No, we're doing that one. Okay, I fine. think it is... Happy duty, bless my soul. I'm in love that rock and roll. Happy duty. What is that note? That's an F. So I think okay. that the hot on hot patootie is an F. Okay. Relative pitch, baby. Yeah! I got it right. Ah! Proud of you. Okay, my turn. Okay. Um. Pick anything, but there's a light. Just because I don't think I could do that one. That's the one I was thinking. Shut of picking your trap. Well, I'm glad I, I said it. I won't do it now. 
Um, what's like a very fun one? You know, we have to do time warp. Let's do the time warp. Okay. What are the first words of it? I'm going to turn my phone down and just look. Don't do the first words because the first words are spoken. The first words are literally, it's astounding, and there you speak them. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes control. With a bit of a mind slip, you're into the time flip. I've got to keep control. I remember doing the time warp, drinking those moments when. That's what I think. Okay, you think it's an A. I okay. You also, you truly went through that whole song. I had to! Give me a <laughs> but break. You, no, but like, you started at the beginning, and then you went to like the second verse. Oh, and... I know. Well, I'm what you call stupid. <laughs> oh. Okay, so, uh, you were right. Yes! An A! A! Yeah, holler back. Well, wow. So the, what we've learned is that we both have relative pitch, and yeah. I also just accidentally started playing the Glee version of Time Warp at my sister and brother-in-law's house. Oh, sorry, sorry. guys. This is what happens when you share Spotify. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> that's our mini-sode. Well, thanks for being here, you guys. Love you so much. I hope you have a good rest of your week. Here's a kiss on your forehead. Spread some Glee. Go spread some Glee. Mwah. Mwah, 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 mwah. mwah All right, bye, guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Recovering Gleek. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at recoveringgleek underscore podcast. If you liked our podcast, be sure to leave a review. And tell your friends, please.